The Osage took their name from Missouri and Osage rivers. Neukonska. Children of the Middle Waters. Move, said the Great White Father. There are many, so many hungry wolves. Can you find the wolves in this picture? Find the wolves in this picture. Welcome to Movie Umpers. I am Bob Sham. I'm Angela. The sounds you hear may be dogs. <laughs> Let me adjust this microphone. Okay, okay, a titty. Okay. Oh no. A titty. You know, sometimes I'll say a tit instead of a bit, but I don't like the word titty. Don't like it. Tittes. Don't like it. Yes. It doesn't quite make my chin wobble, but I don't like it. It's been a minute since we've been to the movies for the show. It has been a while. Not since Barbie. Ew. I mean, not ew. Just, Why? we fell off pretty hard. That was a summer flick. It's the fall now. What a strong reaction. I liked Barbie I just think that's, fine. I think that's your bit, though. Hmm? That's your bit, though. Strong reactions. Mm-hmm. Raw emotional reactions. It's not. And then me providing context and you being like, okay, maybe they don't deserve to die. You know? <laughs> I either love them or hate them. Yeah. It's amazing or terrible. I think Bar- I just have very strong like visceral reactions to things and people. Um, well, we we gave Barbie like a seven. I think it's I a seven. Like seven. The ooh was more like I can't believe it's you like been seven. That long. The movie seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Um, you know, I the did, old David Fincher. I did film. think that was a good movie. I can't watch it now. What's in the box? What's I, in the fucking I box? I, can't, I still don't know. Um, we went to the theaters. We did to watch uh, Martin Scorsese's. Friends call him Marty. Uh, watch Killers of the Flower Moon, which yes. is based upon a book by David Gran. And it's a book I read a couple of years ago. So I was kind of, it's a story I'm very interested in. Yeah. And um, this is the day after Halloween Hump Fest officially in, because yesterday was Halloween. Well, guess what? Special surprise for the every day for the rest of this week. You're still getting a drop. So it's like five weeks in a row. Amazing. Full of everyday drops. And before we get to the end of the year, there might be a couple weeks where we have loaded weeks. Because we got things to get to before the year is over with. And come December, we're going to be going to the movies a lot more. So it's going to be like Christmas movies. As well as actually going to the theaters. Because, you know, thinking about what's coming. Going to the theater. This seems 
better at Christmas time than the summer in terms of things that I kind of want to see. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we will... A lot of movie talking uh, uh, at the theaters, and this is our preview, I think. I was going to say, if you're not ready for movie talking, you're in the wrong place. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I read the book uh, Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran, and it's the story of the Osage people at the around the end of the 19th century. They were shoved onto a reservation where there was perceived to be like little to nothing in this land. and then, But uh, there was something on this land. There was fucking oil on the land. And the Osage people, as a collective, became amongst the richest people on the planet because the land was so oil-rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, per capita. And so they made a deal to uh, to get head rights, to have, uh, well, you get oil companies to drill, and then they benefit from the money. So it, there are still some um, Osage today that have head rights. Like there's still a little bit of oil coming out of that sure. land. So there, there, it's a little bit of money is still getting distributed, but not as much as yeah, then. But the government did still try to control them in that most of the folks did not have full control of their money. I read a little bit of this book. I did not finish it. I I wish I had. I might go back and finish it. Straight up racist policy. Yeah. And so you had to have a guardian. Which was a white person. Which was a white person who managed your money for you. So you had to ask for money. And, you know, our our main um, female lead in this movie, Molly, Mm -hmm. every time she goes to ask for money... She does go directly to the bank, it seems like, but she has to introduce herself every time as Molly incompetent. I would like $300 to pay a medical bill. It's insane. Like, you have to literally every time state out loud, I'm not able to care for myself, which is a bullshit. It's a bullshit. I mean, that's it, what I just said, but it, it's true. It's stated in not verbatim words in this movie that while these Osage are rich and wealthy, that they are, it's ran through the filters of the businesses and dealings of a structure created by the white man. Yes. When this money started coming, we should have known it came with something else because it's a white man's money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not what we were taught coming down Missouri, mm-hmm. Arkansas, and Kansas. Yeah. What has come to our reservation? That doesn't belong here, and it's them. Mm-hmm. They're like buzzards circling our people. Yeah, yeah. Going to pick us body clean. Yeah. Leave nothing. You're getting all this material things. You're getting white chauffeurs, of, white uh, servants in your white house. servants, which is a status symbol. Um, but then the other, but then all, you got all these men and women trying to marry into the family so that they could get a piece of these head rights. Specifically, white men. Marrying yeah. into these families, coming into this place, and there was a draw for a lot of these Osage women. Also, you 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 create this town, this structure around that environment. Yeah. You you apply them with worldly goods, alcohol, whatever. It helps make them vulnerable. You show them the waves of partying, at least the colonial way of it. Sure. I don't know what the Osage party way is. A I bet lo- it's pretty fun. Yeah, they also had an issue of bringing in, like, white people food. And so Molly in particular, but this was a thing where a lot of these folks ended up with diabetes. Yes. Because they weren't used to eating all this rich food and the sugary food and um, all these carbs. And even. they got and they got money, so they have access to that kind of food. And they're yeah. more than and, – and, and they will be charged, like, ten times more than another white person will be charged because they're – Osage in this region, 
it's insane. Like the amount of money that they were saying. I mean, this story takes place in the early 20th century up to the early 1920s. Yeah, there's there's an argument at one point in the movie where Leonardo DiCaprio, a white man, is trying to pay Leonardo for DiCaprio something. plays a white man. He's he does not play a white painting man. his skin and he is trying to pay for something and he doesn't like the cost he's given and he keeps saying, You're trying to give me Osage prices. Yeah. You're trying to give me Osage prices. Like he's trying to say, like, I know you're trying to scam me. But he's married to an Osage woman. But he's woman. married to an Osage woman and an Osage yeah. woman is being buried and they're and he's like arguing over how much it's gonna cost for her casket. But he he expects that he not only acknowledges that they overcharge Osage, but he expects to pay less because he's a white man. So this movie, it's uh, written by Eric Roth, Martin Scorsese, and based on the book by David Grant, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Lily Gladstone, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons. Uh, we love Jesse we love Plemons. Jesse Plemons. When life gives you Plemons, you make Plemonade. I wonder how many times he's heard that in his life. And a whole... Uh, a whole, actually, quite a broadcast, and and like a lot of musicians in this cast. Like yeah. there is um, Jason Isbell is in this movie. Jack White, Sturgill Simpson is in this movie. Uh, Pete Yorn is in this movie. These are all. Yeah, I don't recognize a lot of these people's right. faces, but you would kind of whisper some of them to me. I know yeah, who Jack be, White is, but and uh, yeah, but these are all. You can kind of tell. I feel like Martin Scorsese and I have I have a pretty broad interest in music, and mm-hmm. I feel like, but Martin Scorsese loves the old doo wop shit from his childhood, and he loves that kind of like modern country folky shit yeah. too, and also this the music the original music uh, cuts and score in this music is done by Robbie Robertson, he was in that band called the Band. Oh, Martin Scorsese actually did. The documentary, The Last Waltz, which is about the band uh, hosting right. this concert that had all these musicians, Bob Dylan, Muddy Waters, Neil Young. I haven't seen that, I know of it, yeah. And it's a, I think it's a great doc, music documentary. And it's also a Thanksgiving movie, technically, because it happens on Thanksgiving. You could see scenes where they're lined up. But when I saw that Robbie Robertson did this. I was like, oh, shit. Because for the last several years of his life, I had... Actually, recently discovered he passed away in August. I had no idea. There is some score here, and but there's also music of the time, like you hear Roy Acuff and shit like that getting played around. But yeah, he his mother is apparently um, she's uh, at least of partial indigenous blood. She's her ancestry is of a couple of tribes. Martin Scorsese or Robbie Robertson? Robbie Robertson. Okay. okay. Martin Scorsese is he's no, no, a was, New York I boy. I was Italian. thinking about him because I also just wanted to mention that he also makes an appearance in this movie and it really struck me because he kind of just he kind of gives the end of the movie like he talks at the end. I don't think it's spoilery to say that instead of just like uh, uh, words. Oh, no spoilery. Words to recap what happens to everyone at the end of the movie. They present it like this radio play, and that's when we see Jack White and a couple other people. Yeah. And then Martin Scorsese comes in and reads the last bit of And what I really happened. loved it because it's sort of the wrap-up. Like, he is sitting, he's standing there telling what happened to all these people after the end of the movie, like after the main story that we're being told. And it just, it just struck me as, it just, it just made it more like, poignant that this was such an important story to him that it was important that he's the one that got to say those words like he wanted to be not only the director but he wanted to actually be part of it you know it's 
you could tell it was something very important to him. But I've been thinking about that part, and I think you and I may part ways on the way we feel about that. Really? I felt like it was a little heavy-handed that he kind of put himself in it. Oh, really? That's the way I felt about it. Okay. I was like, because it's not like he shoves himself in his movies a lot. But, I, you know, I get it. You could tell this movie is a very personal project for him. But I felt like it was just a little... Maybe a little bit much for me, to be honest. Hmm. At least that point. I'm like, all right. I liked the treatment of it. Like, I really liked it wrapping up in that way as opposed to being words on a, a screen. Scroll. And that it um, was different. And it applies because that's probably how people, a lot of people heard about that story as Yeah, well. yeah. So it was an audience in front of a, a radio play. And yeah, they, they definitely were like, they said whatever show it was. I'm sure that was a real show. Uh, I don't know. I, I liked it. It meant to me that it was very special to him. Because obviously he could have cast someone else in there, but it seemed like he was like, I want to be part of it. And to me, it wasn't egotistical. It felt very heartfelt. No, I felt like it was very sincere. Yeah. But I you think, just didn't think it was But necessary. I think you can be you can be sincere and be corny. You usually have to be sincere to be corny, you know? Yeah. I, you know, he didn't. Yeah. Okay. You look, we don't agree on everything, but I'm glad you, you, you appreciated it. I liked it. It, it was kind of sweet. I just was like, oh, maybe a little unnecessary. I mean, we're already clocking it at three and a half hours. Would you have liked it if it was someone else? I wish it was uh, Jesse Plemons in a mullet wig at the end, playing a completely different character. That's what I want. Uh, You know, that Leonardo DiCaprio, a lot gets said about this guy. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. He changed his face shape. He grimaces. Like he does this thing. Well, and he he jutted his his uh, chin out a little bit, so he almost gave himself an underbite. And it really I'm like, kind of I doing mean, it. You can't see it because of my he's, beard. He's an attractive man, but he looked more normal in this. And I think as he ages, to, um, listen, Leo, I like you, but as he ages, he is not quite as like. Hunky, like he was kind of like you know when he was younger, he, he was, was like, like a pretty boy. He kinda, was, he yeah. was a pretty boy, so he's kind of grown into like a regular, a normal man. person. Yeah. I mean, Whereas you've got like the Brad Pitts who was like a hunk, who's now grown into like now he's like Silver Fox, right? Right. He's like better than ever right now. I think that's a great point about Leo. I think we have this perception because he was kind of this little idol but coming right. up. He was, he was like a pretty boy, but he is just kind of like he, by all accounts in his looks, he just seems like a regular dude mm-hmm. but he's just so established in the business now that he still kind of has a little bit of that old juice but when you really look at him like even his portrayal in this movie and the way he holds himself which is very on purpose because yeah. he is a he is a good actor yeah that uh yeah he just kind of looks like a regular dude right yeah and that's I mean, kind of nice looking he's not not nice looking but he's not anything like you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't think on the street that he was yeah. someone famous. I kind of like older Leonardo DiCaprio. I do too. I think he's doing some of his best work. Oh, no doubt. 1,000%. I guess most of the criticisms people have is that he's always dating like 23-year-old models or something. Arrested Development. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I for, mean, for that, his I think penis really at is. least. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely, I give kudos to people like Keanu Reeves, who's married to a woman the same age of him. Like, I do understand that. But that just tells me he's mature. Uh, I don't fault someone who got famous very young and still, even if they are a grown-ass man, you know, dates younger or doesn't have a serious relationship. 
there's a lot of shit going on you know, for I do, you when you're in the spotlight like that. I think people maybe do harp on that a little too much. I do too. And it's like, I mean, they're they're adults, and I Absolutely. mean, you can count these years between them, but like, they're adults. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Like, yeah. is it? He's not literally fucking a sixteen year old at least. So long as that's not happening, like, what 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 are you really gonna? Why and care that much? It's all over the place. Do you know that Tanya Tucker, when she was, I think, 20 or 21, dated Glenn Campbell, who yeah. was 22 years older than her? It like, actually does not surprise not me that just Tanya in movies, probably was it's dating in music, way it's above all over her the age place. Oh, yeah. In that time. But, oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Lily Gladstone, who played Molly. Storm, it's, uh. Well, it's powerful. <laughs> So we need to be quiet for a while. It's good for the crops, that's for sure. Just be still. This quiet performance, but the one thing that's that I thought was so like this the way she portrayed her character, like, you know, it seemed like she was holding a lot back, but at mm-hmm. the same time her genuine love for the uh, for uh, the character of Ernest mm-hmm. that is played by Leonardo really seemed like really came through very well almost as like like she seemed strong and almost knowing yeah but like her weakness was also very obvious yeah yeah one thousand percent I thought she she stole this whole movie. Very I mean, pretty, too. She's Stunning. a beautiful woman. Um, there is this part where, and I know we'll have to talk about who he is in this whole story, but Robert De Niro at one point is telling Leonardo DiCaprio, um, uh, I can't remember what, I can't remember the name of Robert De Niro's character right now. Uh, they call him Uncle. But it, Robert De Niro is talking to Leonardo William DiCaprio, Hell. and he's telling William him, Hell. yeah, Uncle Bill, and he's telling him, be careful when you're around these Osage folks because they don't speak a lot, so you might not think they're smart, but they're listening. They are smarter than you think. They know more than you think. Just because they're not speaking doesn't mean they don't understand every single word you're saying and are not, like, paying more attention to things than you are. Like, watch your mouth and also just, like, you pay attention because they are paying attention. I feel like this is my favorite De Niro role in a minute. And, like, I actually kind of prefer this over his role in The Irishman, in which there was a lot of digitizing and making him seem a little younger. The thing about The Irishman is Joe Pesci. That's what you, that's what you grab onto in The Irishman. He's fucking fantastic in that movie. But I might actually might like this movie a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, Robert De Niro, he just does a great job playing this kind of, systemically corrupt piece of shit dirtbag and the real life William Hell did incorporate himself into the Osage culture he built things up but then he also took as much as he put up oh yeah he he is the epitome of living a double life like he is the front to them he's such a con man mm. he the front to them is that he is He's there for them. He loves them. He respects them. He knows their language. He understands their culture. Like he, he has integrated himself, himself into their lives. And yet he's literally orchestrating the demise of them. Yeah. For his own benefit. Yeah. And it, even when it comes down to, um, other white people that he's 
recruited to do some bad things because the overall arcing story is... As, and this is true story. Like, as, as I, spoilers, but this is history. Yeah, we're not going to go... No. You know, we don't do that with the in the theaters. We'll let you go and watch it and decide that for yourself. But of course, because of the head rights and the, and the culture that's coming in like wolves on the Osage, people are dying. And David Grant, I think he accounts for a few dozen murders in his book, but he posits that there's probably like, it clears a hundred. There was um, seemingly an epidemic of something they called the wasting disease, yeah. which truly people were just being poisoned. Yeah. Like, that's how deep it was that they established this culture like, oh, you're genetically, uh, there's something genetically different mm-hmm. about you. But they just intrinsically ingrained this culture of poisoning and made it about, like, gaslit them into thinking that they were just, I don't know. Like, what, why? You got to imagine, like, you didn't just drop dead before. You didn't just waste away before. Like, what is different? Well, you know, um, Molly's mother is alive for the better part of this movie. And at one point she says to Molly, we're dying and it's your fault. It's mm. you girls marrying these white men. And we are dying wrong. because of you. <laughs> she's not and wrong. And she's not wrong. It is actually why they're dying is because of these white men who have come in and are either slowly killing them or taking their stuff. And it's just, it's such a crazy Thing, but like you said, the relationship between Ernest and Molly, like Ernest actually, and this comes through as well, genuinely falls for her before De Niro comes to him and is like, you know, she, she's set up yeah, to be pretty good. We should marry these families, nephew. Right. And he's like, I'm not marrying her because you said, but like, I love her. And I believe that he did. But the thing is, is Molly's almost too smart. Like you said, she's so smart, but she's blinded by her love for him. He loves her so much, but he's not smart enough and strong enough to stand up to his uncle. She notes at right not long after they meet that she likes him, but she acknowledges that he's dumb. Yeah. And he is. That's the Ernest Burkhart character played by DiCaprio is a fucking just reactive idiot yeah and one of her sisters at some point is like he just wants money and she looks at her and she goes they all do yeah of course he does but he also loves me and he did and that's the that's the whole thing of it like she knew that he he did want that money i think she didn't want to believe that he was doing anything bad or whatever hurt her because she knew he really did love her so this case i mean the book by david grand it's um it's also about the the proto FBI the early Hoover day and like a, a a major case from that time before we get to exactly where we are because of course you know when uh the laws are are against you and your whole community is against you um or these wolves coming into your community are straight up killing you and there's no investigations by the sheriff's department the medical people the doctors are a part of it like literally. Everyone is a part of it. Doctors are oh. So with with a strange irony, you got to go to DC to the federal government, and uh, and in the movie they say that they pay them like twenty grand to come and investigate these murders, and that's when you get the character of Tom White as comes in by uh, Jesse Plemons. In the book, Tom White is presented almost as a guy who's like a throwback, even by early 20th century standards. Oh, yeah. Former Texas Ranger. 
I think he's also in the book portrayed as a little older than maybe Jesse Plemons is. Sure. But what a what an interesting bit of casting to put Jesse Plemons in that role. I thought he was perfect. And he, yeah, and it did just fine. It was it's kind of the role I was the most excited for. I was too, and I actually like this movie was three and a half hours long. There wasn't a point where I was like, move it along. Because the story, I feel like the story flowed very well. Scorsese can tell an epic. And and this is an epic movie. Sure. But there was a point where I was just getting a little impatient. And I looked at you and I was like, when is Jesse Plemons going to come and save the day? (laughs) The thing about We need a little more bodies. The thing about casting him in this role that I thought was so brilliant is he does have this like kind of youthful demeanor about him and so he's very easy to not take seriously and so he comes in and he's asking all these questions and he's being so polite it's he's kind such of the, a gentleman it's kind of the perfect demeanor if you're interrogating absolutely so you're listening and you know things and they don't even understand that he's got like six men also in the town working with him because he's the one who's the face of it so he at one point they meet at night and it's like this other indigenous man um, who has come there and is is like sort of He's getting w- in to know the people. Like he basically came in and said, oh, I'm told I have Osage family. So I'm just like looking for my people. And he just starts getting to know people. They've also got a couple other folks like who've been in the town for a while who've kind of come on to help them. And they're kind of like sharing information, like who's found what and who's been able to say what. And they have no idea that he's got this like little group of people helping him and that he's like finding out the things he's finding out. Because when he comes to their door and they turn him away, he's like, all right. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. And so they don't take him seriously. And so it's so brilliant when he's like, I'm going to arrest you now. Uh, I, I saw someone who I, I follow on Instagram who uh, has listened to the show, at least in the past. And they are, I think they married into Oklahoma tribes, Osage tribes. Okay. And so they post a lot about stuff like that. And they posted a video of a guy who was actually in the movie, I believe, and asked about... Um, what he thought of the movie because mm. they were at the premiere. And he said that he felt like his people were represented very well in the movie. As an Osage, I really wanted this to be from the perspective of Molly and what her family experienced. But I think it would take an Osage to do that. Um, Martin Scorsese not being Osage, I think he did a great job representing our people. But this story is being told, this history is being told almost from, from the perspective of... Um, Ernest Burkhart. And also, like, the book is the same way in the sense that it's filtered through this historical lens by this guy who's not Osage. But the story is still important, but it kind of shows exactly, even when discussing these things as thoughtfully and as, uh, and trying to tell the stories with as much knowledge and understanding as possible, that there's still kind of this thing in which these this culture has been so kind of pushed down that like the structure for them to even be able to properly tell their own story on a platform in which people will listen still isn't really there, you know, and that's the, the, the the cultural diminishing of it. And I guess it's better than nothing, but like it, at this point, it still takes someone like a fucking Martin Scorsese or a David Grand to even like be able to get this story out here and go get, uh, Inter- go get it produced or go get interviewed on NPR about their story or whatever. But they're still highest billing is still like a couple of white guys. Yeah, for sure. Just to clarify, the book is told from Tom White's lens mostly, For the right? most part. 
Yeah, so it's more about the investigation side. Tom White is kind of portrayed as almost this, uh, like a heroic figure that means, he, yeah, he is kind of presented weirdly larger than life in that book. Yeah. One thing about this too is there's not a lot of children and they don't really, they only kind of barely mention this at the beginning of the movie. The part of the book that I read went into that more about their children being taken away. And I know they didn't talk about that a whole lot, but then, but then what that what ends up happening is there are not a lot of children, and then these white men come in and marry the women, and then all these kids are of these white men. There's not like a next generation yeah, growing they're... up that's purely Osage, mm-hmm. which is also just very sad that that these kids were taken away. The story, 17th, 18th, and 19th century, and into the 20th century, mm-hmm. is still the same story. It's just all gone about and done in a different way in a different cultural context mm. but the story at its core remains the same and it's a sad fucking story and you know check out the movie go see how it all kind of breaks down it is like a murder mystery but it, it's not really a mystery but it's just like how does this all come together how does this all i guess resolve right. but it's kind of you know there is a conclusion but It's maybe a bit of a Pyrrhic victory by the time it's all done. Oh, this movie does feature a, uh, a bastard Brendan Fraser playing like the, the the scum lawyer for William Hell. He does actually a really good job as this blustering, like fucking courtroom scumbag. He does, he, for, for what little we see, he does a great job, but that's pretty much, you know, I think it's a good movie. I'm just wondering how good do I think it is? Mm. Like, is it, I think it is very good, at least. Is it one of his greatest? Gosh, you know, I really can't decide. I'm trying to poke holes in it in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, but it is also kind of my kind of movie at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's give our rating of it. Yeah. What are you thinking? I think it's a solid four. That's exactly what I was thinking. So eight out of yeah. 10 for yep. Killers of the Flower Moon. I think Moon. it's a four. I definitely think this is going to be. I guess we're going to have, um, I think the writers, the writer strike is done, but the SAG isn't. I don't know. Who knows what the status will be? But if, if there is an Oscars, this one's going to be all. Up, oh, up hell yeah. And oh, I, yeah. And I'm predicting, not even that, like, I'm predicting that they do give it to Lily Gladstone, and I think she would deserve it for her respective award. And I don't say that because, like, oh, the Academy's going to do the right thing. It's just that those little breakout roles and to have them be like, ah, oh, we're going to pick this woman. It's going to make us look really good. Even though she really does deserve it. She really it. does deserve but you can, it. But it's I just know so, what you mean. It's, it's just so easy to predict how they do it. But, you know, there's two path. There's multiple paths to the right choice, I guess. I do think that she's deserving. Although she's we'll see who she goes up against. So good. You know, we'll see who she goes up against. I'm sure, um, trying to think of who else was on Barbie. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> who played Ken? What's his name? Ryan Gosling. No. I, yes. Yeah. I actually think he's kind of the, the, he's so the good. diamond in that movie. Yeah. So he wasn't just Ken Uff. He was <laughs> Ken Excellent. That is an A tier. Look at it. Look at it. Where is it on this loaded ass list? Right under the good, the bad, and the ugly. Killers of the Flower Moon. 
And uh, yeah, don't memorize this list. It'll probably get shuffled around. <laughs> yeah, don't do not do it. But it, it's a good list. It's an A. It's an A tier. That's all yeah. you really need to know. So yeah. Um, tomorrow we'll be discussing a randomly generated review. The Sum of All Fears. Oh, yes. The, the, it's a dad boner movie by Tom Fancy it Clancy. Sure is. It's not by Tom Clancy, but it's based on the story. Yeah. And then Friday... We get to our movie roulette where you pick categories out of a hat and then we pull from a list. Yes, yes, yes. And you picked, what was the category? Um, a challenging performance for everybody. Which is uh, actors playing mentally disabled folk. Mm-hmm. And we picked radio. So the, we're discussing the movie Radio starring Cuba Gooding Jr. this Friday. And at the end of that episode, we will define, help define the theme of November. So you want to... You want to tune into that because uh, it's going to be a lot of comfort food this month. All right. Now, check the show notes for links and other places to find us. Have you seen Killers of the Flower Moon? I think it's going to be a hit by modern standards. I'm, please weigh in. Let me know what you think about it. What? Yeah. Where would you rank it amongst Scorsese's uh, best? I understand if people may be a little lower. But just because of a guy like Martin Scorsese, you do grade him a little harder, right? Mm-hmm. You know? That's kind of why, with the Roman Polanski's Oliver Twist, why is technically really well made, but also kind of underwhelming for a guy you know can do some real shit. Yeah. And I'm not talking about fucking 14-year-olds in hot tubs. I also think we should start a petition for any movie that's two hours and 45 minutes or longer to have a 10-minute intermission. So you can take a dump and get some Sour Patch Kids. Listen, I made it through this movie. I didn't have to go to the bathroom, but I stopped drinking beverages two hours before I went to the bathroom twice during the previews. There's too many previews now. We can see that shit on the internet. I know. I really don't care about trailers care anymore. Like, it, so fucking what? When we were younger, it used to be exciting because it's, you didn't necessarily know what was coming out until you saw it in the theater. I was a big, like, we gotta be there for the, especially, there for the previews. Especially if you're going to see a three and a half hour fucking movie. Yeah. You're in the theater. minutes of previews. You're going on four hours by the time you get out of it there. It's so dumb. Also, there's commercials, previews for television shows. We don't give a shit. Listen, it's, we're living in a world We're giving where, you so much of our money. Just let us watch <laughs> the fucking movie. We're living in a world we didn't make, right? Sorry, I will, I will uh, curb my cursing for, for the rest of this. Yeah, get out of your system this week because we got to keep it family friendly, all right? Like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell us what you think about the movie, and... Death to all traitors.